Well, right now we are in a preaching series called We Are the Church, and we're looking at Acts chapter 2. We didn't read it uh, today, but you'll see it there printed underneath um, the homily in the bulletin if you want to glance over it as a quick reminder of our series and the the passage that's been guiding us during this time. But this is a snapshot of the early church. And here we identify five values, each of them beginning with the, word, or with the letter S, five S's that characterize their early gatherings. So in the past three weeks, we've seen that the church is fully scriptural. We've seen that the church is fully sacramental. And last week, we saw that the church is full of the spirit. So sacramental, or scriptural, sacramental, and spirit-filled. And today is the fourth S, which is the church is free to sacrifice. Free to sacrifice. And here we turn our attention to Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 44 and 45, which says this, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. So do you see what's going on here? These are, are a community of believers who aren't just gathering together on Sunday mornings for worship, but they are gathering, they're embedded in one another's lives. They're with each other constantly, all the time. So much so that they know the needs in one another's lives. They know the needs of the community around them as well. And they move very quickly to take care of those needs. Now, this actually reminds me of something that that we had the honor of witnessing here in our own community a few months ago. Uh, Do you remember when the coronavirus, when the hammer hammer first dropped, when coronavirus uh, first came and we all had to to scatter and uh, some people in our congregation lost their jobs. Some folks were put in really difficult positions. But a lot of you came forward immediately after that situation and you said, where can I help? What can I do? Is there anyone who who needs help in this moment? And we quickly set up a compassion fund and and some of you serve on that committee that help designate where these funds go. And we as a church, I'm, I'm happy to say that we as a church had uh, distributed about 3,000 or so dollars to people in tough spots here, many of whom are sitting here today. And that was an Acts 2 moment. That was a moment in which the church just shined with the glory of God. And no one guilted you into giving in that moment. No one didn't give in that moment begrudgingly. No, you did it joyfully and eagerly. In other words, you were free to sacrifice. You were compelled by the Holy Spirit to sacrifice and address the needs, to help alleviate suffering that you saw. You were free to sacrifice. You see, friends, whenever Jesus gets a hold of an individual or a community, they start to act like Jesus. They start to do Jesus' things. When people meet Jesus, they start to pour themselves out for the sake of others. So what I want to do today is I really quickly want to hop from uh, across three different stories. I want to show you three different portraits of people in the New Testament whose lives took this, this sacrificial posture after they encountered Jesus. I want to show you how after they met Jesus, they were then used by God to bless others. And I hope in doing so, as you see each of these individuals, you're reminded of the sacrificial Lord that we save or that we, that we serve. So three stories. First of all, when I think of a a sacrificial life in the New Testament, I think of Zacchaeus. I don't know why, but he's been on my mind a lot in the last couple months or so. But Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Do you remember the story of him? It's told in Luke chapter 9. I I remember this song that our kids would sing when Zacchaeus would climb up the sycamore tree and Jesus would look up the sycamore tree and say, you come down. 
And then Zacchaeus goes, and, and he has lunch with Jesus. Well, Zacchaeus, he was not liked in town. He was a tax collector. And he wasn't just any kind of tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So a tax collector in Jesus' day was someone who extorted money from the community. They went and they gathered the, t- the taxes, but then they also took a bit more uh, in order to kind of um, make their own life a little bit more posh and comfortable. So, so Zacchaeus was really good at this. He was really good at extracting money from his fellow brother and sister Jews. So much so, again, that he was a chief tax collector. He would teach other tax collectors how to do this. And like I said, Zacchaeus was really good at this. He was filthy rich. (laughs) So people naturally hated Zacchaeus. They despised him. They stole money from them. But what happens after he meets meets Jesus? So after he climbs down from that tree and he has dinner with Jesus, what happens? Well, his life is utterly transformed. Who knows what they talked about over that dinner? I, I wish I could have been there and heard that conversation. But afterward, Zacchaeus makes a tremendous sacrifice. He tells everyone who's gathered there, he says, I'm going to give away half of my money, half of my belongings. I'm giving away to the poor. And he says, if I've wronged any of you, I'll pay you back fourfold over. Like, what a tremendous sacrifice. What a tremendous opportunity, right? Like, wouldn't you want to go back in your records and be like, yeah, Zacchaeus totally wronged me. And you would rush and and go to his house and you want to receive your fourfold repayment. So Zacchaeus makes a sacrifice of recompense. He makes a sacrifice of reconciliation in the community. He makes a sacrifice of restoration. Imagine the healed relationships that would take place after that. He would set an example for many other people as well. So in Zacchaeus, we see a sacrifice that leads to restoration. So a second story. I think of Mary in the New Testament, Mary in the Gospels, not the mother of Mary, although we could definitely talk about sacrifices that she certainly made, couldn't we? But I'm thinking of Mary, the, the mother or the, the sister to Martha and Lazarus. So this story is in John 12. And here we see Mary do something that makes others around her really mad. Mary just gets under people's skin in this moment. You see, she had been Jesus' friend for a while, and her life had been totally changed by him. And she wanted to show Jesus just how thankful and grateful she was to be his friend, to hear his teaching, and to receive his grace. Now, Mary had this jar of very expensive oil, or not oil, perfume. It's called nard, which isn't a pretty word. Maybe it's pretty in, in, in Jesus' day. That would have been a word that would have been lovely to hear, but nard And while Jesus is eating dinner in Mary's house, Mary goes and she grabs a pound of this stuff and she lays it down at his feet and she pours it out and anoints Jesus' feet with this beautiful smelling perfume. And then she begins to weep. I wonder what was in her imagination in that moment. What caused those tears to come to her eyes? But she wept in that moment as she was anointing Jesus, as she was sacrificing this perfume at the feet of Jesus. She begins to weep, and then she starts to dry off Jesus' feet with her own hair. Like, what a sweet moment, right? But of course, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' close followers, is actually enraged by this. As this beautiful fragrance is filling the whole house, one of the disciples speaks up. He says, oh, come on, give me a break. He says, couldn't she have just sold that? 
Shouldn't, couldn't she have taken the proceeds from this really expensive, good stuff and given it away to the poor? Like, oh, how self-righteous is that guy, right? He judges her. He sees her beautiful sacrifice, and he essentially calls it silly. He essentially calls it useless. And what does Jesus do? How does he react in that moment? Does he join in with the disciple? Does he shame her as well? No, of course not. Jesus defends her. In fact, he says, what she is doing is a very beautiful thing. You see, Mary is free to offer this sacrifice of devotion, a sacrifice of love, a sacrifice of devotion. Foolish in the eyes of the world, but completely wise and beautiful in the eyes of Jesus. Mary's is a sacrifice of devotion. So lastly, I think of the Apostle Paul. And we read a, a passage of his writing from his letter to the Philippians. And this is a, a really fun, or not fun, I don't think Paul would have called it fun. Uh, but this is a really interesting moment in Paul's life. Here he lists off all of these impressive accomplishments. Did you hear those things that he said that he had done? Paul said things like, I have studied in the best universities. I have had the right friends. I kept the law perfectly well. And I was so zealous for my religion, for God, that I persecuted people who I thought were, were heretics. He persecuted Christians. But then what happens to Paul? Well, he himself encounters Jesus. Jesus grabs Paul's life and turns it completely upside down. And I wish we had time to go into details of that moment. He's literally knocked off of his horse. But after Paul's encounter with Jesus, his life turns into a life of sacrifice. His life becomes downwardly mobile. All of those things that he used to have just start falling away by his side. He becomes, or his life becomes one of constant sacrifice. He loses his reputation among the Jewish leaders. He's beaten regularly. He, he puts himself in these situations that leads for more dangers to come his way, like snake bites and shipwrecks and things like that. And in fact, when he's writing this letter, he's writing it from prison. Like he is in a horrible situation right now. And in that moment, reflecting on his beatings, reflecting on the fact that he's in prison, he says that it's all gain for him because he has Christ. When he reflects on his past accomplishments, did you hear what he calls them? He calls them rubbish. And in the English, rubbish actually isn't an adequate translation for what that word really means. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a form of fecal matter, right? And in the Greek, it's a rare Greek word because it, it's offensive. Uh, you don't hear these words very often. And he says, all of my reputation, all of that stuff, I gladly would give up again. It's simply rubbish in the, glory, in the light of Christ. And so what we see here is that Paul sacrifices his reputation. He's able to sacrifice his, all of the things that he had built up for himself. And the Lord takes his pain and his sorrows and turns it into joy. Paul's is a sacrifice of suffering. It's a sacrifice of suffering. So why do these stories grip us? Why are these stories that, that bounce around in our imaginations? Why are these things that we think of often, especially when we talk about sacrifice? Well, I think it's because in these moments, we see Jesus. We see Jesus so clearly when we hear these stories of people sacrificing. Not just because, oh, it, so specifically though, it reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross. 
the ultimate sacrifice, right? The sacrifices of sacrifices. And here we see each of those other three sacrifices sort of come to their, to their grand fulfillment, to their fruition, there at the cross. There we see Jesus making a sacrifice of suffering, not just because of, or not because of anything that he had done wrong. No, certainly not. Because he takes upon him the sin and the suffering of us individually, but at, he takes the suffering of the entire world and places it upon himself. The cross is a sacrifice of suffering. But also we see it as a sacrifice of devotion. Jesus says that I love you so much that I am laying down my own life for you. This is a moment that is seen as foolishness in the eyes of the world but wise in the eyes of God. But also the cross is a sacrifice of restoration. It's where the powers of sin are defeated. And through that victory, Jesus brings the healing of the world. Friends, this is why we, the church, are free to sacrifice. It's because it's, this is exactly why we, friends, are equipped and empowered to live lives in the same way. And just to be clear, when I'm talking about sacrifice, I'm not just talking only about money. Although, yes, please do give away your money to the church and to other ministries. Give it away. But I'm also talking about sacrifices of your time, sacrifices of your talents, and yes, even sacrifices of your tears, which we see so often in the New Testament. Because, friends, I'm not just talking about those things. I'm also talking about us sacrificing our entire lives because it displays to the world all around us the love of Jesus. So what about you? What about you? What is the Lord stirring up in your heart, even now, in this moment? What is something that you yourself would want to be offering up to the Lord? Maybe you're like Zacchaeus, and you want to participate in God's grand story of restoration. Maybe you're like Paul, and your life has been turned upside down. And you've got this sort of downward direction to your life and you see the suffering and pain all around you. How could you sacrifice and offer that to the Lord? Or maybe you're like Mary. Maybe you want to offer God something that's foolish in the eyes of the world, but called, or called treasured and beautiful in the eyes of Jesus. So friends, may we be the church who is free to sacrifice all of our lives to the glory of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.